0: Okay, well, please turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and I will read uh, the whole of the chapter. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. How can we be happy and content this side of heaven? How can we be happy and content this side of heaven? Paul tells us that he knows the secret of Christian contentment. If we went out and asked people uh, in our streets uh, what the secret to contentment is, uh, some people might say that you need to have a, a great circle of friends around you. And that's how, the, how we are uh, content. Uh, somebody else might say, oh, no, 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 that's not the way. You need to have things. You need to have material possessions. You need to have money. You need to be able to do the things that you want to, to do in life. Uh, but these aren't the things that, uh, that Paul says uh, are the secret of Christian contentment. A secret is, is something that, uh, that not everybody knows, something that is kept hidden from people or from, uh, from their understanding. But Paul wants this secret to be out. That's why he, he wrote it uh, to the Philippians. He wants them to know this secret. And of course, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to know this secret too because he's put it uh, in his word. It's included in uh, the scriptures. Christ wants us to be content. We're not to be, as, as Christians, on something of a roller coaster where uh, one day or the next day we're up and then we're down and then we're up and then we're down. And it gives you that, that sort of sick feeling in your stomach. What's the next day going to be like? What's it, is it going to be an up or a, a down? But more we're, rather we're to be on an even keel. We're to have a, a, a balanced contentment about us. That We should be able to, to cope with the things that, that the Lord sends our, our way. So what is uh, the secret? Well, I'm going to, as we look through these uh, four verses... Uh, verses 10 to to 13 in chapter 4, we're going to look at what it isn't first, and then we're going to look at at what it is. Uh, So firstly, one of the things that isn't our basis uh, for Christian contentment. Christian contentment is not based on the support of other believers. Paul says in in, uh, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that last you have renewed your concern for me. He rejoices greatly that they are concerned about him, that there is a, a concern uh, for his situation. But uh, if you read the, this verse with, uh, with kind of harsh, harshness, you can think that Paul's criticising them here. He's saying, at last you've renewed your concern for me. It's about time too, that uh, sort of thing. That he's saying, I thank God that you've finally done what you should have done all that time ago. But he's not doing that. He's, uh, you can tell that because he's saying he rejoices. Again, that word uh, rejoice comes up again as it, uh, it has come throughout Philippians. Now uh, That Paul rejoices, he rejoices greatly that they have renewed their concern for him. That it seems to be that they've not had the opportunity uh, to show that concern, as uh, he goes on to say. And this uh, phrase, renewed your concern, uh, apparently um, it's meant to give the image of a tree, um, It sounds a bit unlikely, doesn't it, from the phrase, renewed your concern. But apparently, uh, you could render it, your concern for my welfare has bloomed again. Uh, The the, the word that's used is is used of of a tree coming into to to bloom. Uh, The the, the, the renewing of their concern for Paul is like that. Uh, The blooming of a a, a tree uh, that has, has sent forth its shoots as spring comes. And as we've all experienced over, I guess, the last a few months, we've seen the, the flowers come back onto uh, the trees. Of course, Paul, as I say, isn't criticizing them. He, you wouldn't criticize a, a tree, would you? Maybe you wouldn't criticize a tree anyway. It'd be a bit of a strange thing to do. But, but you, you couldn't criticize a tree if you could criticize a tree for not sending forth shoots in the wintertime. That that's the time of year when things uh, die back, and, and in one sense, to all intents and purposes, a, a tree might look like it's even dead uh, during the winter time. Uh, but come the spring, those uh, it sends forth shoots, and we see that it is indeed uh, very much alive. So Paul isn't is criticising; he's genuinely rejoicing that they are uh, that they are concerned about uh, helping him and supporting him. And so we see that this is demonstrated in, in real terms. As we read the, the passage, we uh, see particularly in verses uh, 14 onwards that, that Paul speaks about the gift that they have sent to him through Epaphroditus, uh, that they've received this and that he's, he's, uh, by t- saying that he rejoices in the Lord, he's, he's beginning to thank them. Um, many people think this is the, re- the very reason for him writing to the Philippians, that he, that he wants to, to thank them as well as um, obviously um, explain all sorts of things about the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. He, he tells them that they've not had the opportunity to show their, their concern, their care uh, for him. But perhaps now knowing his new need, knowing that he uh, was in, in prison in Rome, that they've responded, they've, they've shown that their, their care was always there, but they just didn't have the opportunity uh, to show it, as he says in the second half of, of verse 10. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And so again, this is uh, this imagery of this tree coming into bloom, that, that now the spring has come, now the, the time of the opportunity has come. They show uh, that there is real uh, care in them, there is real spiritual life um, in them. And so they sent uh, not forth shoots, but they sent forth uh, an offering, uh, financial help with Epaphroditus. Paul could then say, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. The, the gifts that Paul has received in his uh, prison, whether that's in a, a Roman prison or whether it's, in a, it's under house arrest, that he says that he's now amply supplied, that he, he now has, has plenty and he rejoices partly because it's his dear friends, isn't it? The Philippians that have uh, that have sent. We saw that again in in verses uh, fourteen onwards. He he says, you're, "You're the ones that have always supported me, right from the very start. You've sent me gift after gift after gift." And it's a challenge to us, isn't it? I think as a, as a fellowship that we should be ready as a church to to do likewise. We should be ready on hearing. Uh, that a Christian brother or sister, or perhaps another fellowship, is is struggling, it has a specific need. That if we can uh, do something to help uh, alleviate that need, then we, we should do, shouldn't we? And if we've learnt nothing from uh, from Philippians, we must have learnt about the collaboration of the gospel, the partnership of the gospel. Uh, that we are involved in that as churches, we're not independent nations or something, but we are to be inter interrelated. Obviously, practically, that's not, it's not possible for us to be in contact with every uh, healthy church in, in the world. Uh, but we can do what we, we can with those that we are, are brought into to contact with. But Paul isn't saying that this is the secret of contentment. He's not saying that this is the reason why he's content. Paul doesn't cite uh, this as his reason. And of course, we, from our own experiences, we can we can know that uh, the the support of others uh, can come from those outside our Christian circles, can't they? Just as the Egyptians gave to the Israelites as they left Egypt, and uh, the 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 Egyptian the Israelites left uh, with a great abundance. Uh, Non-Christians around us can often help us when we uh, come across times of of need. Nor is it because um, there, are, there are people that are willing to support. Remember when the Albanian Evangelical Mission uh, came to, to speak, um, uh, Trevor Baker spoke about a, a man who had been uh, converted and he was the only believer in his village, and so he would leave the village and he would go out to, to worship in a church that was some distance away. And then he told us that the only bridge into the village um, Broke. I don't know if that's the right word for how a, how a bridge stops working, but the bridge collapsed and he was isolated. He was stuck. And so therefore, if it was based on the support of others, that, that man could no longer be content, could he? But Paul's not saying that that is the, um, that is the way that we are content as, as Christians. That's not uh, the secret. It's not based on uh, the generosity or otherwise of, of another group of, of people. And that would be within a fellowship as well. Our, our contentment isn't based on our relationship with, uh, with one another, although that relationship is, of course, important. So Christian contentment is not based on uh, the support of other believers. But secondly, Christian contentment is not based on our individual circumstances. Paul goes on to say, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances We know, don't we, from life that our individual circumstances can change. They can change uh, very rapidly, can't they? And that being in uh, need, of course, is to some extent a a matter of personal interpretation. It will differ depending on what country we live in. It will differ depending on what age we are. Uh, And so we can ask ourselves that question, what do we need? What do we really need as Paul says, I'm, "I'm not saying this because I am in need." Paul tells us that he's, he's learned to be content, and the word that he, he uses, apparently, is a word that the Stoics used to use, and that it's, that, it, uh, that, that c- it means to be content, or, or kind of soul-sufficient, self-sufficient su- self uh, self-sufficiency uh, about the person. The the Stoics used it to speak of the sort of inner strength, this inner steel uh, in a man who, who could detach himself almost from all the things that were going on around him. And so, no matter what happens, that he would be able to keep going unaffected. It gives us something of an image of some sort of a a superman, doesn't it? Whatever is thrown at him, he just is able to walk through uh, unaffected, in in either in emotions or um, in his and uh, the way he goes about things, but Paul uses this word in a different way, and that's why um, it's helpful. This word content that he's expressing that he that he's happy with the things that he that he has. And in fact, he seems to even be saying that he's he's never actually in need, even though his circumstances are are changing. And and as we read uh, before in in two Corinthians eleven, we saw that that. Paul had some extreme circumstances. But his perception and his understanding of his circumstances are not bound up in a sense of need and they're not the reason for his contentment. Paul goes on to say in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So, having said that, he, he he's uh, not writing to them, because, not saying this because he's in need. He then goes on to say, "I know what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to to have empty shelves, or to be vulnerable, to be dependent on others, to be out of his comfort zone." To use um, perhaps the the, the 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 words of the day. I wonder. I, I wonder what the um, uh, the prosperity gospel people think about this um, this little passage. It must be difficult for them to deal with, as we see the great apostle saying about, he knows what it is to be in need. But then he also says, I know what it is to have plenty, to to live with with an abundance, as in God's grace. So often we do. I'm sure that we can empathise with Paul, can't we? That I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have gone through times of of hardship. And times of abundance, but it 's not the basis for our, our contentment. If it was, then we would be content only when we had abundance and not when we uh, were lacking, or perhaps it 's the other way around that the the weight of, of pressure of having an abundance would would make us miserable. But now our contentment is on uh, something more solid than that. And of course, Paul is is writing at a time uh, when he now has ample, but he didn't have prior to that, that he's in prison. And yet he is content. He tells that he's content in any and every situa- situation. So what is this secret that he uh, that he knows that he wants us to know? He he waits a, a little longer to, to tell us. I don't know if he, I'm sure you're aware that there's a there's a kind of whole industry um, out there, that is about us being happy. Uh, we see it from the adverts, don't we? Uh, we see it from the kind of self-help uh, mentors and gurus that you. And it's a big thing in the in the in the United States. But uh, at the University in Birmingham, uh, each year they used to have um, a lecture called the Happiness Lecture. And I always thought, well, surely they only need to do it once if it's you know if it's if it's that obvious. But they, each year they used to have different speakers come, and they would. They would speak to, to, the, to the people gathered about how to be happy. And there would be hundreds who would, would gather to, to listen, which in one sense suggests that they're not happy if they want to know how to be uh, happy. Our differing circumstances bring different uh, challenges, don't they? And yet Paul tells us that he's okay, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, because he knows the secret. In uh, Proverbs uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 uh, onwards, uh, we're told, Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's the first thing he asks. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And then the second thing he says is, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you. And say, "Who is the Lord?" Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. And the uh, uh, the writer there is is telling us something wise, isn't he, about how we are to be content and to be careful what we what we want, aren't we, in life? And he's saying, "I I want what just what I need. That's what I want. I don't want masses. And I don't want too little because." both will lead to me turning from, uh, from the Lord. So Christian contentment is not based on our, our individual circumstances because our circumstances fluctuate, don't they, and change. That our contentment needs to be based on something that doesn't change, that is, that is strong and steadfast, that is, that is sure. As Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is the one that controls our, our circumstances, isn't he? So Christian contentment is not based on our individual circumstances. So finally, what is Christian contentment based on? Well, it's it's going to be no shock to you when I say that Christian contentment is based on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the strength available in him. But as we come to verse 13, Paul says something that's quite striking. He starts verse 13 by saying, I can do everything. I can do everything. Paul says he's able to do everything. What does he mean by that? Does he mean he can do everything? There's nothing that he can't do. Well, no, the context is these different circumstances that he has had to deal with. That he's saying that he's able to be content in every situation, whether in riches or poverty, whether with a full belly, or in a situation of, of great hunger. So does Paul have that inner stoic strength that uh, the Stoics longed for? No. Although these, these few words sound like they're, they're all about Paul. I purposely didn't read the second half, did I? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The secret to Christian contentment is uh, that it's the Lord. The Lord is the one that gives us contentment. He's the one that gives us the strength to cope in whatever circumstances uh, we uh, we find ourselves in. We can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. That's the, the key, isn't it? That's the secret uh, that he wants to get over to them. The source of Paul's contentment is the enabling power of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has limitless uh, resources and yet at times withdraws some of those things from us, and at other times gives us an abundance. And this, of course, is something that is only possible for a Christian. It's not possible for a non-Christian. Because we have to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in order to, uh, to, to know the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it's only then when we're fully dependent on the Lord, when we rely on him uh, for all that we have and all that we are. It's only then that we can be uh, fully content. I think this is a, a hard, it's a hard lesson for us, isn't it? I've been reflecting on this, uh, particularly today, but during the week as well. And I just realized that I need to learn this lesson over and over again. That, it's, uh, that we can we do things through him who gives us strength. That it's something that doesn't come automatically. Did you see that Paul uh, told us in, in verse 11 and verse 12 that he's learned this. He says, I have learned uh, the secret of being content. In verse 12. And he says, for I'm not saying this because I am in need. Verse 11. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is a, has been a process. He's, he's not gone into a classroom and someone's told him. He said, all oh, right, that's it. But he's learned it through those experiences that the Lord has taken him through. It's taken time, it's taken uh, a growing understanding, it's taken maturity. He's learned it through reflecting on what the scriptures teach. Thinking through what's, what's happened to him, whether it's been through times of, of difficulty or times of great joy. But throughout the, all these things, Paul has learned that it's, it's to do with his relationship with Christ, that closeness uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives the strength to cope. With any and every situation. And more than that, not just cope. Not just to survive, but to be content. To be happy, to be balanced. Knowing that the Lord will always provide. It's that Godward direction, isn't it? It's that gazing upon Christ, as the the writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 12. When we fix our eyes on him, that's when we don't grow weary or lose heart. And it seems, as I say, that it's a lesson that we learn slowly. And perhaps it's a lesson that we, we learn and then we forget and then we learn and then we forget and so on. It's the opposite, isn't it, of, of living by our own strength as, as often we can talk about. You know, we live in a culture, don't we, which craves economic prosperity. And that craves having things and, and being uh, being wealthy. You know, We have a, a lottery there is incredibly successful. You know, they said a few years ago that it's the most successful lottery in the world. You know, people are seeking uh, contentment through uh, through money, and yet the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper, uh, a nobody in the house of our God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's the, uh, the right view to have, isn't it? I rather lack many good things knowing that I have the most important thing. I have that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just through having that relationship, it's through him who gives us strength. It's through him who strengthens us, that we're to, to come to him and, and to be asked to be strengthened. We're to, to spend time, aren't we, in our, in our, on our knees in prayer, asking him to, to strengthen us, so that we will do what is in line with his will. And again, that will be uh, what will keep us uh, content Remember the in the Garden of Gethsemane, as, as Christ was coming to uh, that's that most terrible moment, perhaps, uh, where he could see the, uh, the fullness of the cross before him. That as he, as he prayed and he asked that uh, the Father's will be done, uh, we're told in Luke's account that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Uh, that the Lord Jesus had sought strength from his, his Father as he did at many other times, as he as he came to him in in prayer, knowing that dependence upon him. We need to do that continually, don't we? We need to keep seeking uh, the Lord. You know, again, that we we we're reminded in Scripture that it's when we're weak that we're strong. What does that that mean? People often quote that to me, and I puzzled over it for years. What does it mean? Do we want to be weak? Is that what we want? But it's when we're weak that we seek. Isn't it? It's only when we realise that we can't do the things that we're being asked to do that we really pray. And that when we start to think that we can do those things, that's when prayer ceases. And so we're not to allow that to happen. We're we're to ask uh, the Lord to help us as we uh, go about doing His will. Jesus said, "My yoke is easy, and my burden is light." And the picture here is of of the believer being yoked with Christ as like like two animals pulling a plow. And because he's strong, we're able to pull the plow. Not because of our strength, but because we're, we're doing it with him in his strength, that he works with us. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I wonder if you believe that. But, um, Tim Howard, the Everton goalkeeper, apparently has stitched in his football boots uh, Philippians 4, 13 that he knows that uh, the lord that, that even though he has the the riches and all the trappings of being a premiership footballer and uh, that it's only through the lord can he do anything that is good it's only through the lord that he can uh, have uh, true contentment and so he has it on his boots to remind himself uh, every time he puts them on christian contentment is is not based on others it's not based on things it's based on the Lord Jesus Christ and our closeness to him. So that's why Paul confidently ends uh, the passage in verse uh, 19 and 20. He says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.